0: Episode 57 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the 2nd and 4th Thursday of each month. Episode 57 is part two of my recording with Judith Bennett, director of Britannia Bennett's of Malvern. And in this episode, we discover what changes she would make to the industry, the advice she would give starting out again, her predictions for the next five years, and what she does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story. In fact, two. One regarding a trilby hat, and the other, fish and chips. Enjoy. so what one thing would you change within the moving industry
1: oh i'm probably going to be guilty of maybe repeating what others say but i think for me we suffer from blame how many times have we all been told oh why can't you hold my booking it's not my fault that we haven't exchanged contracts yet, and I think to myself, well, it's not our fault either. In fact, it isn't really a fault thing. It's a question of who has given the customer the idea that they were going to move on this day. And I'd say ninety percent of the time, it's not actually the solicitors that have given them the idea they're going to move on that day, because let's face it, quite a few of these estate agents are would-be solicitors, are they not? Because when they have a chain. They want that chain to happen because if they don't sell the property, they're not going to get paid, mostly. So the estate agent needs the sale to happen. And if there's a slight hiccup or wobble or a bit of information, or how many times does nobody else in the chain find out that there's a hiccup until they're about to exchange contracts? And then it's, mm. do you know what? It was looking a bit dodgy a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago because actually somebody got <laughs> made a but do you know what? It's all right now and it's fine. And actually, it all gets brushed aside because actually the exchange goes ahead and happens. But often there is information that doesn't come to light because it would shake the chain. It would shake the confidence. So estate agents play a great part in what we do because if they don't sell houses, we don't get to move people. But you know, everything is changing. And the traditional estate agent just like the professional mover cares about their client and works incredibly hard to sell the property and that surety of customer has been taken away by the whole enigma of online sales just like you can go on there and buy removal services and you don't really know what you're getting you can go on there and buy estate agency services and you don't really know what you're getting not until you get it and it might meet your needs and it might not meet your needs but At the end of the day, an estate agent is there to sell a house. They are not a legal person. They have no knowledge about the searches coming back. They don't know about rights of way. They don't know about flying freeholds. And actually, the only person that can sort those things out is the legal person that they're using, not the estate agent. And I think dates start to come into play because the estate agent talks to the party below the person we're moving and the party above sometimes. Such is their desperation to get this chain to work because otherwise they won't get paid. So I do think that we are guilty of having dates mentioned by those who actually aren't qualified to say whether the chain is ready to move. And once the customer gets a date, we all know what that's like. It's a bit like when they get a ballpark price. Don't give a ballpark price because they'll never forget it.
0: No, no, no. So
1: if you're desperate to get the job and you say it's going to cost you £750 approximately and then you come in at, £950 when you've done the survey or £1,050 they're going to say yeah but you told me 750 and then you say yes but we did talk about it and I did say it was just a very very rough price because I haven't done the survey it doesn't matter all they can think about is £750 so I think that's the same with dates when the, the estate agent says oh well the searches are back and you know because they've been told by the clients the searches are back who've been told by the solicitor the estate agent hasn't been told by the solicitor so And with GDPR, that's even more so now. You know, there's no interchanging of information because that can't happen. So they get an idea that the 5th of July is a completion date and they want to exchange at least two weeks before because actually they're going to a rental and they need to secure a rental. And we all know that you can't secure a rental until you've got your references. But you need to know you're definitely selling your house because most people don't just produce six months rent. You know, they've got to have some commitment that they've got the sale fees from the house. So to be fair to the client, they need certain things and they never talked about a date. They got the date from someone else. And I think sometimes the someone else is the estate agent. And that's what we suffer from is customers wanting to commit to a date that actually has no bearing on the legal situation because actually it's been produced by Maybe an agent trying to help and keep the chain together because they don't want anyone to miss out, including themselves. And, you know, I understand that. It's expensive selling a house and the work that goes into it and everybody has cost to pay. And with no sale, no fee, you know, everyone's trying to get a share of the cake. It needs to be more legalized in that exchange shouldn't be on the day of completion. If you've got... A property that requires a great big vehicle, how much does it cost to send that vehicle out of the yard? Then we start to get into the costing things. If you haven't got any idea what your costs are, how can you cost a move? There's a certain cost for driving your vehicle out of the yard, and then you've got your wages, which are probably only flexible to a certain extent if you operate properly, because you've got full-time contract staff. So there's a cost to that move. And why would you risk a move not happening when you've got those costs? So should we be put in that situation? We need to be prouder of the fact that we have to have some commitment because we are incurring costs by booking that van. And from the COVID times and how busy it's been, you don't book a holiday without paying a deposit, do you? Well, why should you book a move without paying a deposit? Because surely none of us can afford to lose the amount of money we're talking about for a vehicle and the staffing cost. The vans have got to go out. You can have a few quiet days because they're built into your costing model. However, the van's got to go out to earn the money to run the animal that costs thousands and thousands of pounds to operate in rent rates and asset costs. So to be realistic, we need something which says to the customer, I respect the fact that you have to make your moving arrangements and i respect the fact that you need some time to arrange this and we should not be saying to you by the way i'm so sorry it's taken a bit longer than we thought but we're ready to exchange on monday and of course you did tell them that you'd be out by friday because that's the 20th and that's the date that's been mentioned and so and so's going on holiday and so and so's got a business meeting in paraguay so actually they have said below the chain that they're going to pull out if you don't complete on that date so From that date being mentioned loosely by an estate agent, it becomes potentially achievable and it becomes known. And once it's out there, it's really hard to pull it back a bit like a cost, like a ballpark cost. And that's what's happening is the timescale between exchange and completion has got smaller and smaller and smaller because there just isn't the respect for the customer, in fact, the customer who has to make their arrangements Notify BT, notify the post office, read their meters, clean their house, actually arrange their removal. And it might be different if it's a one-bedroom flat and it can be done on half a day, could perhaps they're going to rental, perhaps they can move the day before. But why should they commit to pair deposit for that service if they're not sure it's going to happen? And the reason they're not sure is because they haven't exchanged contracts. So I guess what I'm saying is there has to be a professional gap of time to allow the arrangements to be booked and put in place so that nobody loses too much. So to ask for a deposit so that your mover, if it does fall through, doesn't end up losing £1,000, maybe more than that, £2,000, but losing money because they could have booked that van out, but they didn't because the customer secured it with a deposit, a moderate deposit. Should they be at risk of losing that? Because the exchange of contracts didn't happen two weeks before. Well, they asked for it a month before. They tried really hard to have a stress-free situation, and it's got closer and closer and closer. And the other parties in the chain have various reasons why they need to move on that date, and they don't want it to change. It's totally doable, but it hasn't happened.
0: But isn't this why we offer cancellation and stroke postponement waivers?
1: We do, but how much for, Colin?
0: Well, we should be offering them for a lot more than what they are currently on the market for, that is for sure.
1: So, so why isn't that happening then? Is it? It's fear of the customer not booking because there's somebody else who perhaps doesn't charge, who just foregoes it, who is, dare I say it, perhaps they can stand down their staffing and don't have to pay them. And then that, unfortunately, brings me back to the, sorry, I haven't got anything for you today. Off you go.
0: But surely that's down to selling because you don't often go on holiday about holiday insurance, but there's nothing to say that you can't. Yeah. So surely it's down to the selling from the surveyors of not necessarily, but sometimes you have to put the fear of God into the client and say, look, due to these potential situations that are outside of our control, we would highly recommend you take this waiver.
1: I think you're correct. And I think it's a conundrum for the industry, because it's a little bit about fear. Fear of the customer not wanting to pay those extra security costs.
0: But if they don't pay it and, you, and they don't move, then you're going to charge them a full move price because they've had to cancel at the last minute which at the end of the day, from my past experience of being in this industry, from an outsider's point of view, not many removers do because they have the fear of losing out the potential move and upsetting the customer.
1: Absolutely. And an added fear I'd say these days, because you also have that animal that is the review process. And how many times do you get told on the phone as a a remover, oh, I've been let down by so-and-so. And yep. then when you actually ask a little further, you find out that they haven't been let down at all. The customer never actually confirmed the move or even booked the move. They just told the customer, Ooh, four weeks before when they did the survey, that that was the date they were looking at. And magically, they anticipated that we would straight away go and write that in our diary and put Mr. So-and-so thinks he wants to move on this Friday, but it could be the one after. Actually, no. Again, go back to the holiday scenario. You don't book and say, well, actually, I think I'm going to book annual leave on that Friday, but can you give me a booking for the one after? Because I might go the week after if the weather's not yeah. good. There's so many ways as a, as a selling tool that one can explain why it's not fair. Because that's what the customer will say. Oh, it's not really fair, is it, for me to risk losing money? Well, do you know what? It's not fair for me to have to cover the wages costs of a van that doesn't go out because actually the legal process wasn't in place and actually wasn't tickety-boo. And why wasn't it tickety-boo? Well, everyone thought it was. And why did they think it was? Well, talk is cheap. Searches mean everything. (laughs) Mortgage offers mean everything. The only person who knows it's truly ready is a solicitor. And I think I don't agree with simultaneous exchange and completion. And I'm at the age now where I don't really care if someone doesn't agree with me over it, because I've seen the damage, the actual carnage it can cause, especially if you're moving more than one property in the same chain. Because if it doesn't happen, the customer has had to take a chance based on a legal say-so that actually you're going to exchange a complete on that day. And in my lifetime in the industry, it has happened a few times that it hasn't gone through. It's at the stress level for the customer. Mm. And before we actually did the drop body process, it's fairly difficult as a mover if you're really busy and really booked and somebody doesn't get unloaded. You know, what if you haven't got a spare van for the next day because they're all booked out?
0: Exactly. You've got to bring the goods back to storage. Then you've got to unload yeah. the vehicle because that vehicle's on another job the following yeah. day. Yeah. You could end up with a customer not being given their goods for a good 7 to 14 days because your diary yeah. is full.
1: And actually, there's a, a misperception on that that we've obviously just got staff waiting for to be booked in to do that delivery the day after because right. how can we possibly manage without their furniture? <laughs> and, and you know what you want to say, but it's not my font. But unfortunately, you're dealing with someone at one of those four horrendous life stages. What was it? Marriage, death, divorce and removals. It's considered on that hand, isn't it, Colin? So,
0: But we're also, it's because we're at the end of the line. By the time it gets to us and the removal, the exchange is done, the contracts are done. And now it's like, well, why can't you move me?
1: I'm not saying, unfortunately, our phone doesn't wait for your call. It, it does ring at other times as well with bookings. <laughs> And you can't say that. That's incredible. That's, actually, I'm not, I'm not a sarcastic person, but between you and me and the industry, that's the <laughs> we're thinking, isn't it? Is, oh, I'm really sorry. Unfortunately, we have had other bookings since you spoke Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. Yeah, and people today. have
0: paid a deposit yeah. and therefore booked into yeah. the diary.
1: That is my thought, is simultaneous exchange and completion should never happen unless... The property is for investment and there isn't a moving chain process commitment. It can be simultaneous exchange and completion if the customer is living in a rental and can book the move anytime in the next two weeks. And I'm good with that, you know, and so are they. But if you've got a, a, a chain situation and they have to be out on a specific day, shouldn't be on the day. You shouldn't not know you're moving when you're loading the van.
0: So what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again?
1: What advice would I give? The only person stopping you is you. Oh, no. What if? What if I do this and this happens? Yeah. It's the little tiny if word, isn't it? The only person stopping you is you. You can worry and worry and worry about borrowing the money to buy that van, borrowing the money to buy that land, signing the lease to rent that warehouse borrowing the money to build that warehouse, borrowing the money to buy containers. Only you can decide if you think your business is good enough, if you're good enough, if your team is good enough. And you know what? Look at what you've achieved already. Because if you're even in business in the removal industry, you must be good enough because it's such an animal. It's, it's such an expensive thing to do. So you are good enough. And if I could go back, I would say, when I first joined the business, and Alan had gone through the process of a business plan and buying his first premises, which held all of 90 containers, God, I'd have said to him, you are such a fantastic planner. You save that money. You work so hard and you literally had nothing you just invested you wanted to invest and you wanted to not be told actually i'm really sorry i can't renew your lease because i've got another plan for that building you wanted to be secure security yep. is everything isn't it yeah so particularly in our industry because where do you put Billy 500 containers when your lease is up if you can't renew it well, you know so exactly this is what i mean by the enigma that is alan bennett he wanted to own his own premises and i thought oh my god you know that's absolutely right he's totally right And I think it's to not be afraid of your dreams, because he turned around to me and he said, do you know what? I never thought we would have a plot of land and a business premises on the Enigma Business Park. That's where the blue chip companies go. That's where the brick and glass buildings are. That's where the tech companies are. That's where the successful businesses are. So, He wasn't saying that we're not successful. He was just saying, you know, that's where the big.
0: Yeah.
1: I never thought that I'd be there. And what's successful then? Define success. I don't know. What is successful? Success is not being afraid to take a chance. Success is having the courage of your convictions and the confidence in the team, however big it is, whether it's one of you, two of you, four of you, 10 of you, 50 of you, 500 of you. Mm -hmm. It's saying we can do this. So that's what I would do. I'd say the only person stopping you is you. Have courage and faith in you and your team's ability. Focus on the small wins. Because if you focus on the small wins, they become big wins. And it is all about everybody else. It's all about your customers, your staff, your suppliers, your colleagues, your friends, your family. I remember thinking when, when we got the first premises with the 90 containers, what if we can't fill 90 containers? Because I think Alan had about... 50 before 45 50 and we did and in fact we, we you know we outgrew that premises and then when we signed to buy the business park I thought oh my god we can get I think it was something like 500 containers in there 400 500 containers three high that's a proper removal term isn't it three
0: high <laughs> I
1: really admire the people that go four and five high because I think three high is scary when I watch the fort lift. So all credit to those with five high.: <laughs> So it's always you're like, "Oh my God, are we going to manage to do this?" Oh my God, we've now committed to this massive debt. But it's actually having the courage of your convictions, because you work and you work and you work. And you know what? Everybody in this industry is a hard worker, otherwise they don't stay in it? Yeah, because it's just bloody, hard work. So you think about things and, and you have to have ideas, you have to spread. Spread your risk if you can. Never do all your work for one company if you've got a debtor situation. Somebody once told me you should never have a debtor that is, you know, 80% of your debt. One no, debtor. Right.
0: Definitely not.
1: But you do find companies that do subcontract work. Oh, and if you find the book is the check will be in the post next week. Or now it's the, yeah. you know, oh, I'll make the transfer next week. And actually, do you know what? When you find out next week that actually that company have gone into administration nobody ever plans for that to happen but when it does i'm sorry but it, it is what it is
0: it affects so many people when that happens
1: absolutely so i've always tried to um spread the risk you know look at your revenue streams if you can diversify provide other services we have a number of services that we provide we have a shredding service Really um, useful for customers doing document storage and even personalized old customers. Just a little add on. So easy to grab a bag and um, put all your rubbish out the loft bank, old bank statements, whatever you seal it, comes back, whole thing is shredded, you know. Just a little add on. Doesn't earn a lot of money, but, you know, it facilitates a client's move. Packing materials, anything and everything. I've got to compete with the online, but that's okay. We can do that. Everything's gone up. Everything's more expensive. It's not always about making a big profit. It's about what can you do to support your customer and their needs? So having these additional services can sometimes really help. So that would be a little bit of advice as well. Think big, have confidence. Don't doubt yourself because as I say, if you're in this industry, you must be doing all right to be in it because it's hard, really hard. So yeah, that's my advice. Aim for the top because you can do it and you've got a wealth of knowledge in the industry around you. And there's nothing like asking a mover to share their knowledge because They've got loads of it, and they love sharing knowledge.
0: Oh, don't they ever.
1: There's always an expert out there, lots of them normally. And I mean that absolutely sincerely. So much knowledge.
0: So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years?
1: Do you want the dream or the reality? Let's
0: go for the dream.
1: (laughs) The dream? Taking a regular break with my husband. And taking a regular break without my husband. (laughs) Only only because we have some very short one night breaks together. And it's actually great um, because when you have a family and children, they are in the mix and you hardly get any time to talk about them (laughs) when they're not there. No, over the COVID time, Alan and I started doing a bit of camping, which anyone who knows me would say not in a million years, you know, unless you've got a hairdryer socket. Not true. And actually, it has been quite a surprise to me just how much we enjoy packing up and going off on a Friday night just for a couple of nights at the weekend. And we did actually manage two weeks this summer. It's the first time we've ever had a two week holiday from the business. And I'm not being a martyr, but it's just the truth. And I'm so grateful that our team enabled us to have that time um, because after COVID, it has been an incredibly difficult two years for everybody. And we really needed a bit of a break. And it was amazing. And I'd like to do more of that, Colin. So Alan and I are over mid-50s. So he's been in the industry over 35 years. In fact, probably actually nearly 40 years because he worked in the removal industry before he started his own business. I've been in the industry nearly 25 years. We're getting older. We're tired. We have got second generation in the business and we've got a great team. We enjoy what we do. Can you ever take the removal man out of the removal business or out of the yard? Is that his comfortable place? And I would say the same about me. Audits, HR, salaries, customer service, finance, marketing, website, SEO, all those things, they are integral to the success of the business. So it's like a baby, isn't it? Why would you want to give your baby away?
0: (laughs) Well, some people can leave the industry, but I don't see...
1: Uh, Everybody can.
0: can. You can probably take a step back, oversee it and just be there as a second set of eyes or the advisory panel side of it.
1: A colleague when we joined Britannia once said to me, the worst thing is having your dad still there and you have a brilliant idea and you run it by him. And he says, oh, no, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be spending that on that or I wouldn't be changing that. I think the old way is nothing wrong with it. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I have assured when I talk to the team and when I talk to Ellie and Charlie sometimes talk to us about the future and what we think about the industry and what's going to happen and I say I don't want to be that person saying oh you know well I put that in place and you know it's always worked for me just because it worked in one era doesn't mean it's going to be the right thing going forward. and I, I do think I'm respectful of that I say we're fully computerized we are tax compliant We operate the drop body system. We have plans going forward on both the moving and the storage side. It's always an exciting time at Bennett's. And I say that seriously because actually you need that for your team and your staff there should always be something going on. There should always be something in the pipeline because mm-hmm. you want the enthusiasm, you want the excitement and the security that actually if you keep up with the times and there's a little bit of movement and change at the right time, then you stay abreast of the economy and the market and you know, you've know you got work. And so I think I would like to step back at some point and Alan probably would even a bit more than me. But if they want me to do bits that no one wants to do, like auditing and HR, because they're not full-time jobs, they're things that need doing. At certain times of the year, going through the year, and before an audit, you're not
0: running a company with one, two hundred members of staff, so you don't need full-time HR.
1: You know, that brings me back to this thing that, to run a removal company, you need to know a little bit of law, you need to do customer service,
0: But then joining an association will help you with all of that because then you've got access to their legal sides.
1: Absolutely. So I see myself in five years' time possibly still providing some kind of service to the company. I will be in my early 60s then. Very
0: early
1: (laughs) 60s. Still trying to defy the age, you know. (laughs) So I see myself still doing something, but... Possibly it will be a consultation with the team as to what role I'm playing. Yeah. And I'm really keen to make sure other people are brought on, invested in, promoted, utilize their skill set, and the ability to step back and know when actually I need to not be doing that anymore. My greatest fear is surveying, because I'm not quite sure when you're too old to survey. And I don't know whether there's any aspect to male or female. I suppose I'd have to ask customers. When is one too old to be a surveyor? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Colin?
0: Never too old.
1: So I guess they'll tell me in some, Alan probably in a tactless way, but (laughs) 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 my my, my daughter in a very tactful way. But um, yeah, I'd like to think I'll still be providing some kind of service if they want me to. And if that's how the business is, I do think tech will change office processes even more than it already does now there are certain roles that will be reduced because it will be done by algorithms and a computer the days of a self-driven lorry not in my lifetime it's been trialed hasn't it i've seen a video and i can't even remember where i saw it because i don't really sit on social media scrolling but i saw a video somewhere i think someone showed me something on youtube and it was about the trials in another country and it was pretty scary to watch because they just haven't got it right yet. And the thought of an 18-tonne lorry on the road fully laden with removal goods and something not quite being right on the tech and it veering. I mean, I can't even go there, to be honest, but that might be an age thing. I don't know. What will we be moving in, I don't think, five years' time, but we can see two to five years, but I don't think we can see over that. So, Again, not in my lifetime if it's five years, but more than that, what will we be moving, Colin? Look at houses now. Look at what comes with the house. Ten years ago, we always moved a washing machine, a fridge freezer, a chest freezer sometimes from the garage, a microwave.
0: Now they're all built in.
1: In the future, if we're not moving appliances now, I can see other things perhaps coming with the house as fitted. Imagine if you chose your three-piece suite up front or... Imagine if it was a modular system and you simply ordered your cushions for your scheme, you know, and your coverings. Beds, imagine, you know, look at the size of beds now. Imagine if they were fixed and you just chose your headboard. It was coverings or it was someone's job to come in and reupholster to your spec because they made it very simple to do that. Maybe we won't be moving three-piece suites and beds or maybe the table will be a, a stone pillar with a marble top or a glass top fully fitted in the house. I just look at how modern houses look these days and some of them are state of the art. With the ecological war that is battling on and and how we make things greener, will houses come with solar panels and rainfall systems and the sky's the limit really, but will we be moving less? Will the job morph and become different, you know? Will these great big gas guzzling, fume emitting vehicles become a thing of the past because it will all change. And it won't be by choice, but it'll just be what it is to accommodate what we need to do. But at the end of the day, who knows, Colin, who knows? It'll be whatever. Oh, to have a crystal ball. Well, the powers that be will decide, won't they? It won't be down to you or I. But I do think moving will morph and will change. And maybe it will be different things that we move. I think accounts jobs will change. I think computers will replace certainly a lot of process but the physical process will still come down i hope to men on whatever vehicle it is providing really good customer service
0: yeah what do you do outside of the industry to switch off although i'm getting the impression you never switch off <laughs> um, excuse me are you
1: actually what are you,
0: <laughs> you like myself love this industry I absolutely adore this industry.
1: I've almost forgotten what I did before and that part of my life because I've become so completely, I don't know, that's what it does, I suppose. What do I do to switch off? Well, I'm going to have to pinch a little bit of that from Alan because one of the things that we can do really easily is put the dog lead on and go down the lane because we live up a lane. So we walk the dog that Alan never wanted and the kids were desperate for, that the kids (laughs) do walk but not as often as we do. Who does the dog love? The dog adores Alan, who never wanted her, but adores her too.
0: <laughs>
1: so we walk the dog a lot and we're very lucky. We live in Mulvern. The Mulvern Hills are a two-minute drive from us if we want to go and park up and literally walk from one part to the other. It's just really lovely to get out. And actually, I do get really stressed. Multitasking in very different disciplines within the business and having a family is stressful. And aged age I think I do get a bit anxious about some things now, which I probably didn't get anxious before. So walking and exercise is a brilliant thing for me personally, and, and hopefully for others would agree to. It's a brilliant thing to clear the mind and actually talk about other stuff where we're thinking we might put off camping next. What we're thinking about doing at Christmas. My daughter's recently moved out, so Ellie was thinking about doing Christmas. And I'm trying to talk around into the fact that I've been really looking forward to Christmas Day. I love Christmas
0: coming.
1: (laughs) I I need my brood around me and my mum-in-law because she's the only mum, the one that we have left now of the parents. So, bless. But I really love Christmas Day. I love doing the traditional roast. I like my Christmas table. I used to be really fussy about everything matching. It usually matches, but I don't really worry about that now, especially since COVID. (laughs) I just love us all being together. And I love feeding people. (laughs) That's a funny thing to say, isn't it? One of my hobbies, I used to do quite a bit of entertaining for friends and cooking because I, re- I do enjoy cooking. And when I've got a bit of time, I like to do something a bit different. So I like Rick Stein stuff. I like a bit of mm-hmm. Jamie Oliver, a bit of Delia, Mary Berry, Nigella. And I like to do that. And to me, that's giving something because I spend time over creating something really, hopefully, really lovely to eat. And then I give it to people to eat because. It makes me happy it makes me happy when they really enjoy what I 've made. so I like to cook and I like to cook for others, but I do like going out and eating as well. We don't go out in horrendous amount, but when we do, I really like to eat something rather nice. But I am happy with fish and chips. What else do I do? I have a gym membership, like a lot of other people, I have at times gone to the gym two to four times a week, but Right now, it's not one of those
0: times. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, oh dear.
1: It hasn't been one of those times since before COVID. I did do some machine oh, no. but I wasn't furloughed, was I? So I was always on a blinking laptop or on the phone or whatever. So I feel I've aged during COVID. I feel older, a lot more older than two and a bit years. I feel unfit. <laughs> walking the dog once or twice at the weekend is not enough Colin I need to be walking every day and I just walk between the printer and my chair and I don't even walk around to Marks and Spencer's because I've got time I need to go in the car and get back quickly don't I I need to make more time to exercise and look after myself because I really am not planning on leaving the business if they all still want me anytime particularly soon And also, I need to be fit to go walking when we go off with the dog, camping and stuff. So I really hope that I get better at making time to do that. I like holidays. I like going away with my daughter because she doesn't wake up at half past five in the morning and my husband does. <laughs> nice about taking, I'm looking forward to taking a few holidays without Alan as well as with him. It's only because he is the eternal early bird and I am the eternal night owl. which doesn't work but we make it work but it's nice to have a holiday with a like-minded individual and actually going away with your daughter is great fun
0: and finally after 3 hours and 30 minutes of recording (laughs) which I'm sure everybody that knows you is going to laugh out loud with that one I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story do you have one or more to tell?
1: I actually had a sleepless night last night which is ridiculous, really, because oh.
0: that's not going to lead to a funny moving story, is it?
1: No, no, no. I actually got to <laughs> just about it was deep this morning. I had two cups of coffee, and I still kept thinking, "Oh, is this even funny?" Because the thing is, I think it's mostly people in the industry that listen to the podcast.
0: It is, them, it is.
1: But I don't do removals, do I? And no. the only things I could think of were completely unrepeatable.
0: <laughs> oh I no, those think- are the ones we like. I think I'm funny.
1: <laughs> If they were funny, I, I just don't. <laughs> I also have, I think, quite an unusual sense of humour. I have a very dry humour and a little bit probably sardonic, a little bit <laughs> cynical. I don't find slapstick humour funny. I don't really laugh at the things that lots of people laugh at. So it was a struggle. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's even funny, but I'm going to say it anyway because I have listened to quite a few podcasts because I enjoy your podcasts and I Thank have been like sometimes. It just goes to show we all have different sense of humours because <laughs> I haven't laughed. <laughs> and you know when you've got the laugh ready because you know, you're told it's going to be a funny story and then you don't laugh. So in advance, please accept my apologies if you don't find this funny. But I found it really, really funny at the time and I don't laugh that much. So it occurred in the office and I was in our offices and I think I was actually in the removal bookings office. And this lovely old gentleman walked in. He said. Um, Mr. Bennett has been out to see me and quoted my move. And we got the paperwork out, and Alan does paperwork very differently to me. So rather than give anyone else the um, exciting slight headache about trying to work out what Alan's paperwork says, because I had a look at the paperwork and he was really chatty and he was really nice, and I discussed what Alan had noted on the move, and I mentioned in passing, that despite Mr. Bennett's shorthand, I had a good understanding of it because I was Mrs. Bennett. (laughs) And this elderly gentleman looked at me and he looked a bit puzzled. And then he paused and he said, "Uh, are you Mrs. Bennett? And I said, "Uh, I am. And he said, "Uh, Mrs. Bennett, I am correct in thinking. That Mister Bennett is the right side of eighty, aren't I?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Colin, I didn't know what to say. I really wanted to laugh, but Ooh. I. Didn't laugh. But this will. <laughs> it was hilarious, honestly. Because, ouch! I said to him, um, "I didn't know what to say," and it's not very often I'm speechless. Which everyone will laugh out loud at that. Basically, <laughs> Had gone out in his old, trusty, battered, checked Trilby hat, which when he started in business when he was 21, he was quite young. And when you go out to customers, you obviously want to create an impression and you want to give them confidence, you want them to trust you. So it's hard when you look young and you look too young to have your own company. So the hat became his thing that he had a hat on and he felt grown up in his hat.
0: <laughs> um,
1: it's tough, kind of doesn't it? But, basically he'd lost the hat there'd been a number of hats over the years because obviously i didn't meet him until he was nearly 32 so there'd been a number of hats but he still had a trilby that was a little bit battered the same czech trilby hat and he'd worn this hat out to quote <laughs>
0: and
1: he will say to me i know i'm getting old i do i look old and you know when your husband says to you do i look old and you think I don't really know because I'm married to you and I see you every day, so I can't really give an informed opinion on that.
0: Oh, don't. That's like a woman saying, does my bum look big in this?
1: (laughs) It's a bit like the comment when we say it's fine and it's absolutely not fine. (laughs) So at the end of the day, he's got an interesting face because he's very expressive. But, you know, I'm sorry, but we're mid to late 50s, so we have got a few lines and... (laughs) We run a removal business. We should look, we should look 80, shouldn't we? Uh, duh. Basically, he'd got this hat on and he'd, and he'd obviously had a good chat to this chap. So he would have been in full Alan Bennett express mode and expressive and explaining things. And he's, he's really great. At, he's got a great character and he's really confident, obviously knowledgeable about his field. So he'd got this hat on and all I can say is, I don't know if this elderly gentleman wore glasses or whatever, but <laughs> I said to him, He's actually a lot younger than you think, but I expect the hat just made him come across as older.
0: <laughs>
1: but he was devastated. I didn't tell him straight away.
0: <laughs> I waited
1: <laughs> quite some time. And I think actually he probably was having a little cheeky tweak at me about something to do with age. Because <laughs> you know what? When I joined the business, one of the staff made a remark at some point about birthdays. And I said, when I was born, they said, well, that's not right. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, um, well, when you started in the business, Alan told us that you were 10 years older than him. Oh. <laughs> oh. He's such a wind-up merchant, honestly. <laughs> I was absolutely horrified. But anyway, so this was me almost slightly getting my own back. And I said to him, remember that gentleman, Mr. So-and-so, that you went to see and we, we did the move? I said, do you know, he came into the office. <laughs> And he asked us if you were the right side of A-T. You're having me on. I said, I wish I could say that was the case. I think you had to be there in a way. You you have to know us. You have to know how we are as a couple. You have to know that Alan is the eternal teenager who he would say himself, he doesn't want to grow up, Colin. And why does he need to when he's got me there to manage him?
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: A tiny second one? Go for it. So, back in the early days, when it was just Alan and I we didn't have any children, as the eternal removal man, he had been asked by a client to take a few things from store. I think it was a case of a container from bereaved effects. And the customer asked us to get rid of certain items through house clearance and they wanted the rest of the items down in Brighton. So... We were engaged at the time and not married. This should have been a warning, actually, and I didn't heed it. <laughs> so he rang me up at work and he said, um, How do you fancy going to Brighton for the weekend? So I said, Oh, that'd be really nice. I said, Why, why Brighton? And he said, um, Well, to be honest, I've actually got a small move to go down there. <laughs> <laughs> mission of a removal
0: he's move, a smoothie you know? isn't he hey mr
1: oh, bennett yes. you know what honestly he knows he knows all the chat doesn't he so he <laughs> said i've got a, a small move to go to brighton and i was thinking it's enough to go in the half tonne white small car van like a it's a proper yeah. like, um, yeah.
0: like
1: a vw or c C-a- man car man cut a long story short night away really nice night in a hotel breakfast the next morning and then he said we'll take the road back and i think we went via chichester and had a look at Arundel Castle. Um, and was getting near lunchtime, and he said to me, are you hungry? And I thought to myself, I'm famished. (laughs) Because I'm always (laughs) hungry. And he said, "Uh, how about I get us fish and chips? Yes, that's really nice. We'll have fish and chips together. Proper little coupley thing to do. So he disappeared, and he came back with his carefully wrapped package. Now, if you asked my children, they know exactly what I'm like. My first thought was, Why is there only one package? And then my second thought was, they've wrapped the two packages in one piece of paper. So the package is on his knee and he carefully peels off a layer of paper. And I'm horrified. Because, Colin, there's only one package.
0: He's bought one fish and chips.
1: He has bought one fish and chips. And I sat there and I said to him... (laughs) Where's yours? Where's mine? This is honestly, he's repeated this story because he's still amazed by it now. He said, What do you mean, where's yours? And he said, I thought we could share. (laughs) (laughs) Colin, I said to him, I'm sorry, I'm used to having my own. (laughs) (laughs) And he's never forgotten it. And he's really never forgiven me because if you ask Alan, Does your wife like food? he'll roll his eyes he'll smirk, and he'll think about the fish and chip date. (laughs) He thinks I'm greedy, Colin. (laughs) I know, ultimately, he thinks I'm a little bit greedy. But if you ask Stuart Almandras from (laughs) Sanderstead, do you think Judith Bennett is a little bit greedy and remind him about the chocolate chip cookies at the board meetings? He'd probably agree. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, good old Al cutting the costs. Night away in a hotel. Cutting the costs and only
0: one fish and chips. (sighs) Tight.
1: Tight. No, (laughs) what a mistake, Colin. He thought I was going to share my food.
0: Can't believe that. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, Judith, thank you for giving up all of your morning to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a guest on Moving Matters.
1: Colin, thank you. And I I have to apologise. I'm so sorry. I think I've given you far more material than you can possibly want. I'm sure some of it it isn't the least bit interesting. I know I've talked about the team a lot, but can I just say, I wouldn't be where I am now without the people that I work with and have worked with over the years without the people in the industry that have given me their time and I do chat and they all know that and they all humour me and they do tease me. But I I'm so grateful. I'm really grateful for the time that I'm given and the fact that I am a bit wordy, but I get there in the end and I just feel really, really fortunate to know the people that I know. And it is a family. It's a huge, massive family. There's nothing like our industry out there. There just isn't. And I'm so, I'm so proud to be part of it. And I'm just so grateful. i so grateful for the people that I work with every day and the people that I meet. Thank you for giving me this opportunity.
0: No, thank you for chatting with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 57 of moving matters please rate review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about moving matters my thanks and appreciation go to judith bennett of britannia bennett's of malvern for giving up her time to record this episode thank you again judith If you would like to know more about Britannia Bennetts of Malvern and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.